Why don't we all just take a look around and see who's gathered in the house of the Lord with us this morning. Always like to see who is gathered together. I don't know who this lady is over here to my right, but man, you can stay every week. You are just a worshiper. She was pulling it out of me. I saw her in the corner of my eye. I was like, I got to come up. This lady is, this lady is worshiping today. I love that. I got to meet you after service. God bless you guys. Why don't you turn around? Just, just see someone catch eyes. Uh, yeah, Amber, there's no one behind you, Amber. Uh, but just, yeah, greet someone, shake hands if you can. Uh, send a, a flying high five across the room. And uh, man, I tell you, over the past couple of weeks, there are just more and more new faces that are coming in. So we all need to go above and beyond to be reaching out, connecting with one another. It's not enough just to come in, sit down, do your thing and leave. Let us be connected to the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Guys, my name is Jay Duncan and I'm the lead pastor here at New Life Midtown. Previously Antioch Church, previously Freedom Church, previously Springs Harvest Fellowship. Been here for 17 years. My wife, unfortunately, is out with uh, one of our boys. He was up coughing pretty bad all night long, and so we're just trying to figure out what's going on with him. So prayers for Kingston. Um, May the grace of the Lord be with you today as we jump into the Word. How many of you guys are ready for the Word today? We're starting a new series, series on the Lord's Prayer. We started this series about six years ago and lost half of our church, so I'm really excited. (laughs) Only those people who have been with us that long know what I'm talking about. Lord, we break cycles today in Jesus' name. (laughs) Ah. All right, let us pray and let's, let's dive in. Father, we are so grateful for what you are doing in the earth. We're so grateful for what you're doing here in this house. But God, I'm so grateful as I drove in today, seeing Discovery Church and Rocky Mountain, Calvary and Vanguard. I'm so grateful that here in this city, There is such an expression of the church of the living God, Zeal Church and Mana Church and all the congregations at New Life. And Father, today we pray right now for the church of the living God in Colorado Springs and El Paso County to just be full of the presence of the Lord today. That the Holy Spirit of the living God, the real third person of the Trinity, the dynamic, living, breathing, active part of the Godhead would be moving right now amongst all the churches in our city. God, we pray that you would anoint each and every person that is ministering today in our services from pastors to worship leaders to security to ushers to greeters to those who run visuals and sound to those that love on kids and raise kids up in the wisdom of God. Father, I pray you would anoint them all across the city. Anoint every single one of them to do their work and to to do their ministry well, to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray today that a revelation of Jesus would be made known to every single person that is gathered in physical spaces and that is listening online. Holy Spirit, help us know who Jesus is. We have no idea who Jesus is on our own. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to have a revelation of who Jesus is and to have a revelation of the Father's love. And today I pray that all across this city, that hearts would be open, that salvation would come, that decisions would be made in Jesus' name. If you can agree with that today, shout amen. Awesome. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 5. Matthew, chapter 6, verse 5. And as you're turning to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. We're going to have it on the screen for you. If you need a Bible, let me know. We'll get you a physical Bible. Put it in your hands so you can read it at home and 
grow in the Lord. You can't grow in the Lord without reading the scriptures. It's impossible. You know, last week was Resurrection Sunday, and I consider that a high watermark in the Christian life. It's a high watermark in the church calendar. It's one of those, you know, in, in, in church circles, we like to call it the Super Bowl of the Christian world. And what that means is everything is pointing towards Resurrection Sunday. Everything about our faith rises and falls on whether or not Resurrection Sunday is true and real. And I happen to believe and I happen to stake my life on the fact that Resurrection Sunday is real. That Jesus Christ was a, was a man, but he was also fully God. And somehow, some way, and the Bible tells us how, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit Romans 1 tells us, and again in Romans 8, it tells us that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it was the Holy Spirit of God, went into that physical, literal body and boom, resurrected him from the dead. But that was last week's message. Last week was a high watermark of the Christian life. How many of you guys just felt the energy in this room last week, right? Anybody? Okay. Um, The energy this week was, it was good. But it wasn't like last week. Like last week was amazing. But this is why we don't live off of these highs in the Christian life, right? The way that you grow in God, the way that I grow in God, the way that we make it for the long haul, and by the way, that's the goal. The goal is not that we have these incredible experiences that make us want to jump out of our skin and then next year or next month or two years from now we fizzle out and we're not living for God anymore. The goal is that when I'm 70 and 80 and 90 years old, that when I'm on my deathbed, I can say that I'm more in love and more passionate and I'm more devoted and more committed to Jesus than I was in my 20s or my 30s. I love the strength of youth and I'm slowly feeling the strength of youth wane in my life. It's like once you cross that 40-year-old threshold, it's like the, the strength of youth just begins to fade more and more. But I'm telling you, there is a depth of walking with God for decades. And how do we get that depth? How do we get that maturity? How do we get that substance? How do we get that gravitas, that weight of living in God? How do you get that? You get it day in and day out. It's day in and day out. It's putting in the work day in and day out. It's the process. It's the habits. It's the discipline. It's the little things. It's saying yes to Jesus day in and day out, moment by moment. And we're going to start a series on teaching us how to be formed by this amazing prayer that Jesus taught us to pray called the Lord's Prayer. Now, I'm going to let you in on something. I've got a secret agenda every time I get together with you guys. Do you guys want to know what that secret agenda is? I got lots of secret agendas. (laughs) (laughs) I like the puppet master over here. Now, the beautiful thing about this secret agenda I'm about to tell you today is that it's actually the Lord's agenda. Every time we gather together as a church, there are three things that I think are, are in the heart of God to happen when we get together. Number one, I believe that God wants every single one of us to encounter him in a new way. Can I get an amen on that? God wants to encounter you. God, we're not, we're not following a, a dead Jesus. We're not following a set of rules, right? We are in relationship with a living person called God, Yahweh. God is alive, right? So when he shows up to Moses and Moses has to go and confront Pharaoh, he's like, who do I tell him is sending me? Tell him that I am. Tell him that I exist. Tell him that I am who I am. And if I try to fill in the blanks and tell you exactly who I am, you wouldn't completely get it. But just know that I am. 
that I am real, that I'm not just a set of ideals, that I'm not just a doctrine to ascertain. I am a living being. The Lord is spirit. He is alive. He's active. And listen, friends, the Lord wants to encounter you. Every time we gather together, I pray that there is a fresh expectation that begins to well up inside of you that God has an encounter for me today. And not only when we gather together. I mean, I believe that when two or three gather together, the Lord is in our midst. But the Lord wants to encounter you every single day. And I pray that over the course of this series, that there is a fresh expectation that grows inside of you, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, no matter where you are in the middle. I pray that there's something that rises up and says, no, every day that I wake up, God wants to encounter me. He wants to meet me. He wants to meet me in new ways. He wants to meet me in fresh ways. He wants to expand the way in which I connect with God. Number two, God wants to shape you. He wants to form you. He wants to help you mature. He wants to help you grow. So every time we gather together, I'm thinking about how are we being formed into the image of Jesus? What is it that we're doing when we gather together? Why do we pray the Lord's Prayer every week? Why do we come to this table? Is it because a couple of guys came together years ago and created a tradition and passed it on, and now we've got to follow that tradition? No. It's because there's something that is happening in the habits of the church when we gather together that it shapes us, right? Your habits shape your life. Your habits shape your life, right? I'm trying to teach my kids how to put the cap back on the toothpaste. Why is that? Because that little habit translates into the rest. That habit translates into how they do their homework. That habit translates into how they take tests. That habit translates into where they put their shoes. Yesterday, I, was, I had to get on to one of my boys because I just bought them these brand new pair of shoes. We're at the outlet stores. I went to the outlet stores. Every time I go by the outlet stores, I have to go into Nike. I have to. It's, it's a habit. It's a rhythm in my life now, right? And so when I go into Nike, I'm looking... For some kicks, I, you know, because, I mean, if there's a good deal, you have to. It's being a good steward of your money. If, you ha- if there's a good deal, you've got to go get those. I'm totally way off track here. This has nothing to do with the Lord's Prayer, but it does. So, no, I, my little boys, both of them, they're like, Daddy, we want new shoes too. And I'm like, great, man. I, I will get you new shoes. So I buy them new shoes, and I tell them, I'm like, boys, listen, these shoes are for school, and they're for church, and they're for nice events. So last night, my daughter is a part of this theater company called Stars, and she has this big performance. And my boys, they're all dressed up. They're looking great. And then I look down at one of my boys, and he's got these old raggedy shoes on. And I'm like, those are your play shoes. Why do you got your play shoes on? And after a long series of interrogation, I find out that he went outside in his new shoes The shoes that I explicitly multiple times told him, don't wear your new shoes when you go play. That's what your raggedy shoes are for. You wear your new shoes to nice things. So his new shoes are completely soaking wet. And so he's got these raggedy shoes on going to this nice event. And I'm telling you, habits. I said, son, listen, I'm trying to teach you. When you take your new shoes off, put your new shoes. And I said, why did you wear your new shoes to go play? Because I couldn't find my old shoes. Habits shape your life. They shape your life. And so when Jesus teaches us to pray, he's trying to get us into a habit, a habit of connecting with God, a habit of how we relate with God, a habit of interacting with God, a habit of communicating with God, a habit of inviting God into our lives. 
So let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, verse 5, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen. In other words, the motivation for their habit is so that other people can think they're good or righteous or religious. And Jesus is saying, this is not the right motivation for your habits. This is not the right motivation for why you engage in a prayer life with God. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. What reward is that? The reward is that other people think they're great, and that's it. That's all they got. They are not going to get any more reward out of their prayer life than that. Verse 6, but when you pray, say, when you pray. In fact, look at somebody dead in the eye and point your finger and say, but when you pray. Yeah, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So all the literal people who are reading this are thinking, I can never pray unless I pray in a closet. What if I don't have a closet? What if my closet's messy? Listen, relax. The spirit of the law here is that Jesus is saying that there is an intimate relationship with God that can be bought in prayer, that can, be, that can be developed in the place of prayer that is between you and God, that doesn't need to be seen by other people, that there is something so rich, so personal. Like for those of you who've experienced any kind of intimate relationship, you know that the most intimate things happen when you're alone. The most intimate things don't happen when you are in full display of other people. Your, your, your most intimate moments with God are not going to be in a room full of other people. Now, and, I, and I, am, I am all about what happens in a room with the church. But Jesus is, he is inviting us into, there is a place in God that he has for you and for you alone. See, this, this gathering is so good and it's so important, but it is not a substitute for what God has for you and him alone. He has secrets to share with you. He has places in your life that he wants to bring you back to and heal and restore and touch. The scripture tells us that God shares his secrets with those that he's most intimate with. How many of you guys would love to hear some of the secrets that are in God's heart, right? The scripture tells us that deep in the heart of a person, deep in the heart of a human being, God has hidden purpose. And it is the wisdom of a wise person to begin to draw that wisdom out. How do we do that? We do that in intimate communion with God. And so Jesus is telling us there is a reward for cultivating a life in God. There is a reward. And the reward is not what other people think about you. The reward is God himself. That God will become your reward, friends. Uh, Jesus tells us a couple of stories. He tells us a story. Many of you guys may know this. He tells us a story about a guy who goes out and he sees this amazing piece of land. And as he's out uh, walking this piece of property, he finds some treasure. And he gets an idea. He hatches us an idea. This is a story that Jesus tells us. It's a story that helps us understand the kingdom. As he walks out on this land, he sees this piece of treasure. He goes, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go. I'm going to sell everything I have. Everything I have. I'm going to sell my cars, my clothes, all of my Nikes. I'm going to sell everything. I'm going, to sell my, my, I'm going to sell the little plot of land that I have. And I'm going to buy that big old plot of land because the treasure that is on that land is worth more than everything that I could ever own. And Jesus then says, this is the kingdom of God, you guys. Like, I am that treasure. And when you trade in everything that your life could possibly have, you're going to get the best reward. The best reward is me. Jesus is the reward of developing a life 
of spiritual disciplines in God. Let's keep reading here, verse 6, uh, verse 7, sorry. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. This is liberating. Here's what's liberating. You don't have to have a lot of words in order to have a great prayer life. You don't have to pray for hours and hours and hours upon end, right? Most of us in this life don't pray for two reasons. I'm wondering if you can guess what they are. Number one, most people don't pray because they say, I don't know how to pray or I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. And the other group of people don't pray because they say, I don't have enough time. And Jesus addresses both of these. You don't have to have a bunch of words. You don't have to have a bunch of time. In fact, I am going to teach you how to pray. Let's look at how Jesus teaches us to pray. Verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth in the same way that your will is being done in heaven. Give us today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. Give us this day. There's things that I need from you this day. There is a daily provision that you have for me this day. Tomorrow has enough troubles of its own, right? Let's deal with what today has for us. And God says, I will take care of what you need today. And then tomorrow, there's new mercies, right? There's new provision. There's new grace. There's new strength. There's new wisdom. There's new solutions for tomorrow's problems, but I'm going to give you what you need for today. Forgive us our sins, debts, trespasses, offenses, on and on and on it goes. We pray, forgive us our sins. The NIV says debts. We'll explain this here in a few weeks. As also we have chosen to forgive those who have sinned against us. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil and from the evil one. So within these short verses that Jesus teaches us, he has given us two things. Number one, he's given us a pattern of prayer. He's given us a model. He's given us principles. Inherent within those three verses that I just read is everything that you will ever need to pray under the sun. Anything that you would ever need to pray all falls right here within that prayer, right there. You got troubles with a spouse or an ex-spouse, uh, you're frustrated with the situation that's happening at work, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? Someone, someone just uh, ran, ran you off the road and you want to hunt them down, pray, lead us not into temptation, <laughs> okay? <laughs> you, you just got a huge medical bill that you thought was paid and you realize that the insurance company didn't take it and you missed that window when you were supposed to submit your claim and then you're saying, God, there's no way that I have enough to, t- to take care of this, pray, give us this day our daily bread. You're entering into situations that are beyond you and you don't know what to do. God, I need a fresh outpouring of wisdom and grace right now today. I mean, within this prayer, there is a pattern and you could spend literally hours just praying, just teasing out the words in this prayer. In fact, I learned how to pray taking a class on the Lord's prayer when I was in high school. My youth pastor, you guys, many of you know him, Pastor Scott and Pastor Marcia, they taught a class every Sunday night. This was back in the day when we had Wednesday night services and Sunday night services. Anybody remember Sunday night services, right? And then if you're part of the Korean church, you had Friday night services that went all night long. So I was in church literally Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, all the way to Saturday morning. And on Sunday night before Sunday night service, Pastor Scott would teach a class on the Lord's Prayer. And he would take each of these stanzas and he would just break it down, break it down, break it down, break it down. 
And then we would take an hour praying each of these stanzas so that by the end of that class, that class lasted almost a year, you could literally pray for hours if you had that level of bandwidth and capacity. I mean, it's endless, you guys. It's, it's like a rabbit hole in God. It's a rabbit hole in God. All right? So uh, it's going to be a fun series. The next several weeks, we're going to be hitting each and every one of these things. But today, we're going to be hitting the Our Father Who Art in Heaven. Now, I told you that I have a secret agenda. Number one is to help you understand that every time we gather together, that there is an encounter that is waiting for us. Number two, every time we gather together, there is something that God is doing to form us into the image of Jesus. And then number three, there's a mission for us to, to be on. Every time we get together, at the end of our time together, we don't just see, okay, guys, that was awesome. We'll see you next week. We send you into the spaces that you were called to inhabit. Some of you guys own your own businesses. You have people that are looking to you. You have people that you're responsible to train, to develop. That is an assignment. That is your ministry. That is the ministry that God has given to you. That is the mission of God on your life. How are you leading that business? How are you taking care of those employees? How are you handling your business transactions? Are you doing it in a way that honors God? Are you doing it in a way that reveals the wisdom and the love of God in the earth? That's your mission. Some of you uh, people are staying at home for a season and you're raising children. That's your mission. And every time we gather together, we are praying that you are empowered and equipped for the mission that God has for you. The prayer that we're going to lead you into also leads you into your mission in the earth. Okay, that's all the intro. Let's, let's dive in. Ready? All right. Our Father. That word right there, our. What does that mean? Number one, it's, it's a plural. It's not a singular word. It means we. So immediately when you pray our Father, I want you to get the context here. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And the first thing that he says, the first words out of his mouth, the first word of the entire prayer is our. Now, what we have to understand is that prior to Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray, the Jewish community, they never addressed God as father. Never addressed God as our father. Jesus enters onto the scene and every time Jesus prays, he addresses God as Father. And immediately what we see, we've, we're given a window into a special relationship that Jesus has with God the Father. And then Jesus says, you are welcome into this relationship. You are welcome into this relationship. When I was a kid, I was about in the first and second grade. My dad was in the army. He was in and out. I was the only child. We lived in this cul-de-sac, and right across Caddy Corner from the house that we lived in, there was this older couple, and they had this massive backyard, and they always left their sliding patio door open, and they let all the kids in the neighborhood come into their yard. Their kids were grown and gone. They were probably in their late 60s to early 70s at that time. And they put a swing set in the middle of this big, massive yard, and they just said, come, come into the yard. You guys are all welcome here. I would make myself at home in their house. I would, I would open up that sliding patio door, and then right around, you'd open up this patio door, you'd go right around their little kitchen counter, and they had these two little cookie jars, and they were always stocked full of candy. And they were, the, they were known as the neighborhood grandfather and grandmother. In fact, we call them that. I called him grandfather, and I called her granny. 
right? I have never met my Korean grandmother or grandfather. My grandfather passed away before I was born. Both of my grandfathers passed away. And so they, they became to me grandfather and granny. And for years, we moved to Germany. We were in Germany for two years. We went to Holland for two years. And when we came back, I was most excited about seeing grandfather and granny. I was invited into this special relationship. Do you guys have people like that in your life? Or maybe you even call them Oma, Opa. Maybe you call them, you know, my, my kids have a special relationship with someone in this church. They call her Tita, right? She was there when they were born. She has been a part of their lives. And that's an affectionate word that says like, you're, you're like our aunt. She's not, our, she's not their blood aunt, but she is so close into the family that, that what has happened is, is the special relationship that we have with this lady, now our children have been brought into this. They've been invited into the special relationship that we have built with this woman over the years. And here's what's happening. Jesus is saying, guys, I have a relationship with the father that you cannot even imagine, but you're welcome into it. You are welcome to access the Father in the same way that I access the Father. You are welcome to relate to the Father in the same way that I relate to the Father because he's not just my Father. He is our Father. The second thing that is inherent with this, I'm telling you this is a rabbit hole. The second thing that you have to realize is when you pray our Father, you are no longer praying just for yourself. In fact, if you'll go back and you'll review this, this short prayer, you will not find the word me or I, anywhere in this prayer. Because Jesus is trying to form something in us. Formation. What is he trying to form in us? He is trying to form into us the reality that our relationship with God is a relationship of family. That we belong to a family. And that when we pray our Father, we are praying from the posture of a son and a daughter who also happens to be a brother and a sister with all of his children. It is impossible. It is impossible for us to authentically pray this prayer and not enter into the family dynamic that God has with the rest of his church. It's one of the reasons why this morning when we entered into prayer, we are not just thinking about ourselves. We are not just thinking about New Life Midtown. We are connected to a larger body, both in this city and around the world. Around the world. Guys, I want us to care about what's happening at Vanguard right across our parking lot. I want us to care what's happening at Discovery Church. I want us to care what's happening at Rocky Mountain Calvary. Like, we have these unique differences, but those are our brothers and our sisters in God. And when we pray our Father... We are, we are wrapping into that prayer every single believer who belongs to the family of God. Listen to this amazing quote that I read from a guy named Dale Bruner. He says, the word our is significant because it turns our individual prayer into prayer for others. Well, think about that. When you enter into the spirit of the Lord's prayer, you are entering into the spirit of intercession. It is forming you to care about what is happening in the lives of the people that are around you. I told you about this uh, theater production that I watched last night. And how many of you guys know uh, the Youngs? Ron and Krista and Nahum Young. Nahum Young was like in six different roles in this show last night. It was unbelievable. Like every time there's a new guy, I'm like, there's Nahum again. And... It was Mary Poppins, and it was like it, he was in all these different roles, and I'm watching Nahum, and here's what hit me last night. 
is that on Friday, Nahum and his mom were up in Denver because his dad had a surgery in Denver on show week. And I'm watching this young man give his best. I'm watching this young man like pour out his talents and his gifts in front of the entire audience. I'm watching the culmination of a five-month process of weekly preparing for this amazing production. In the back of my mind, I know that his dad's not there because his dad is in the hospital, because his dad just came out of surgery, and I know that his mom had to race him down to get him there on time. And all I could think about was, how, how are they doing? How are they doing? You see, the Lord's Prayer invites us into that question, how are they doing? How are the thorns doing after just having their baby, right? How's Jonathan and Bree and Judy and Jude doing? I just met them this morning, but the Lord has brought them into my wake. He's brought them into my path. And I can now, now, now he's enlarging my scope of, I wonder how they're doing. And I wonder if there's something that I need to be praying for them, right? When you enter into this, our father, pause, 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 pause. Our Father who art in heaven, and ask, Lord, is there anyone, is there anyone that you need to direct my heart towards? Is there a marriage? Is there a family? Is there a health situation? Is there anybody who's just come up to the end of their rope? Is there anyone who just feels like uh, the walls are caving in and the bottom is just bottoming out? And right now, before I go any further, before I start asking for me and me and me and me, just stop and say, God, is there anyone in the family that you want me to think about and take care of right now? Don't you moms and dads, don't you love it? I know it's probably rare, but don't you love it when, when your kids, you ever been in a situation where, you know, there's like four kids and three cookies? You ever been in situations like that, right? And what is natural is mine, 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 mine. In fact, mine and I'm out. Like, see you, like, don't even, don't even think about it. In fact, I'm getting out of here as quickly as I can so no one tries to act, ask for this cookie, but... Isn't it amazing, those rare glimpses, those miracles that happen when one of the child goes, oh, you can have mine, right? That's what our father invites us into. Our father invites us into, because let's be honest, like every single one of us needs prayer for ourselves. Like this morning, I'm driving down Awesome Bluffs. I'm praying for all these churches in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, what about my church, right? And what hits me is this, son, seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these things will be added to you. If you position yourself to actually be others oriented, others minded, if you position yourself there, I'll take care of you. I got you. I got you. Not only will I take care of you myself, I'll make sure that all those other people, I'll make sure that there are people that are praying for you as well. I got you. Our Father. All right, let's get it, let's get into let's get into our Father. Many of you guys have heard this story. For those of you guys who are new, uh, in 2008, the Lord, the Lord encountered me so radically, you guys. Uh, I've been following Jesus. Up at, uh, at that time, I've been following Jesus at least well over 25 years of my life. And in 2008, the Lord exposed me to some teachings on the revelation of the Father's love and the spirit of sonship and daughterhood that radically changed what Christianity means for me for the rest of my lives, for the rest of my life. And that message, that mantra, that, that revelation, that understanding of seeing God as Father, not an angry lawgiver, not an angry judge, not a CPA that's keeping score, 
not someone whose arms are full to try, you know, gosh, can't you get this right? But a, but a loving God and a loving father. And here's, here's why the Lord's prayer is so important. And here, I want you to catch this. Of all the things that Jesus could have said when he teaches us how to come to God, here's what he teaches us. Approach him as a father. Approach him. He could have said anything, right? Lord, teach us how to pray. Okay, I want you to start off and I want you to say, you know, oh, sovereign creator. He didn't teach us how to do that. He he didn't use all of these lofty theological terms. He says, friend, come to him as a father. Which can be a little problematic if we have problems with our own fathers or father figures. So let's go here for a few minutes before we end. Let's talk about God as father and why this is so important. This is so important because the way that we see God determines the way we relate to God. The way you see God determines the way you relate to God. Let's take God out of the equation. Let's just talk natural principles here. The way you see a thing determines the way you relate to that thing. The way you see a person determines the way you relate to that person. This is why labels and preconceived ideas and notions and judgments about charged words are dangerous and they're destructive and they're divisive. They don't help relationships, right? If you just label someone as, oh, they're, they're a Democrat, they're a Republican, oh, they're wealthy, though they're poor, right? Now, all of a sudden, whatever, whatever you have affixed to that word, oh, you're, you're in the army. I know what that means. Oh, you're in the Marines. I know. But you don't know. You don't know me. <laughs> the way you view a thing determines the way you relate to that thing. And all throughout the scriptures, God is trying to teach us who he is as father. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, this is all, some of you are like, Pastor, you've taught Matthew three seventeen for years. Yes, I have, and I will continue to, because this is one of the most important things to Get into the bedrock of your life and the way that you relate to God. Jesus comes up out of the waters of baptism and the father puts on display something with his son that he makes available to all of us. Number one, he says, you're my son. And for every single one of you, this is the primary way that God wants to relate to you. He wants to relate to you as a good, loving, perfect father who will never leave you, who will never forsake you, who will never turn his back on you, no matter what you do, no matter what you don't do. This is foundation stone number one of the Christian life, that God is a good father and he's inviting you to relate to him in the most perfect and the most pure way that a father-son, father-daughter relationship could operate. In fact, most of us, most of our Christian life, let's just be really honest. I've been in this for now over 30 years of my life. Most of the Christian life, is us entering into this family and spending a lot of time kind of undoing our view of what we thought God was like and discovering the truth of who God is and falling in love with him and delighting in him and learning to do his will from a place not of fear, but from a place of absolute love and delight. So obedience comes out of our love. Obedience does not come out of coercion or fear. Okay? We don't do anything in God or for God in order to get God's approval of us. 
nothing. I don't give my money so that God will like me more. I don't go on mission trips because I think it's going to, you know, improve my rankings, right? I do these things because I've, I've caught the heart of God, the heart of my father. God wants these things. And because, because I love him and I love him because he first loved me. Now, everything that I'm posturing my heart so that everything that I do, even difficult things, most importantly, the difficult things I'm doing from the motivation and the posture of the father's love for me and my love for him. That's the entire Christian life. This is my son. Let's next phrase whom I love. There's some translations that say, this is my son who is the beloved. And that's you. You are the beloved. Think about how that changes the way that you enter into the conversation. Think about how that changes the entire communication dynamic. If you're sitting down, having a conversation with someone who is absolutely in love with you, it changes it. You're not posturing. You're not hiding. You're not wondering. You're not suspicious. You're not mistrustful. You're not holding things back. You're not wondering, right? It's open. It's open. God is saying, I want your relationship with me to be open. You have nothing to hide here. Remember last week we talked about when God was in the garden. He's got, guys, where are you? Where are you? That's not just physically. Where are you in relation to me? Where's your heart at? Are you far? Why? Let's talk about it. I'm not angry about that. Are you mistrustful? Why? Are you suspicious? Let's have a conversation. Let's work those things out. Let's reconcile. Let's get right. Let's look at the next phrase right here. He says, this is my son whom I love. And then he says this, with whom I'm well pleased. I would venture to say if I were to sit down and have coffee or tea or lunch with most of us, and I were to really say, okay, let's, let's get brass tacks really, really honest. Do you, think, do you think that God is a God who delights? That he's a God who takes pleasure in things? I think most of us do not have a view of a God who takes pleasure in anything. And if you think that, if you have a view of a God who takes pleasure, most of us have been formed to see a God who takes pleasure in punishing. And I'm here to announce to you today that that is not who God is. That God does not take pleasure in punishing. That God is a God who takes pleasure in you. Just for who you are. He delights in you. He delights in you. There's a scripture in Zephaniah that says he sings over you and he dances over you. This, this, this is the story of our God, of the Christian God. He is the God who takes delight. He is the God who takes pleasure. And there's so many natural and normal stories about this. It's a, it's a love romance, you guys. The problem is, is that most of us experience that for a brief moment and then we lose it and we forget what that's like. But if I, could, if I could go back into the story of your life and I could remind you of moments where you felt the delight of another person or, or, or a hobby or a thing, and I'm, and I'm just going to scratch on that and I'm going to say, where did that come from? Where did that delight come from? If we serve a God who does not know how to delight and he's the God who created us, how is it that we have the capacity to take so much joy and pleasure in things? Because he is a God who created us with the capacity to experience delight. And here's what I want to share with you today. The Father delights in you. And you would say, there's no way. And I would say, there is a way. And you would say, I've done so many wrong things. And I would say, that doesn't matter. Because the Father delights in you. He takes joy in you. He takes pleasure in you. And that delight is not conditional on what you do or don't do. Right? So I was trying to explain this concept. I was at a men's retreat a couple of weeks ago. 
And by the way, do you guys remember the week before launch week, I was at this men's retreat. You guys sent me on this assignment. I was in this room with almost 100 men, hardened, blue-collar men. And I'm, I'm sharing them. I'm sharing with them about who God is. And men, I'm telling you, these firefighters and construction workers, you're just watching, te- I'm watching tears roll down the face of these men as we just spend slow, uninterrupted time talking about who God is as a good father. And I'm asking the Lord, I'm like, help me explain this concept. Help me explain who you are as a good father and this phrase, how much more came? How much more? Look with me, if you would, in Matthew chapter 6. There's one example here of this how much more concept. Matthew chapter 6, and let's pick up the story here in, in verse 26. Just I'm going to read this, and I'm going to break this down. Matthew 6, 26, therefore, Jesus is speaking here. I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry. Don't be so anxious about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or about your body, what you're going to wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at verse 26. Look at the birds. They don't have jobs. They're not working overtime. They're not clocking in. They're not clocking out. They're not even sowing seeds. They're not out there reaping things. They're not storing things away in barns. And yet your heavenly father, he takes care, he feeds them. And then look at this. How much more valuable are you than they? All right, it gets better. Verse 27, can any of you add? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. We're going to skip right here to verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Here's, here's what I want us to grab onto. He uses this phrase and he says, how, how much more valuable are you than all of the things that God has created? Now, hold your, hold your thought right here. In Luke chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus tells another story. And this is what he says. He says, let's, let's pick this up at, at verse 11. Luke 11, verse 11. Which of you fathers, mothers, insert yourself into that as well. Which of you fathers or your mothers, if your son or your daughter, now you got to think ancient times, right? If your son or your daughter asked you for a fish, how many of you would give him a snake? That's just twisted. That's just straight up twisted. Jesus is making a point here. He's using these extreme examples for a reason, right? Then he says, if, if your son or your daughter asked you for an egg, oh, Papa, could, could I have an egg, please? Right? And you say, yes, here. And you just pull out this nasty scorpion. Like, this, look at the scriptures. If he asked for an egg, we'll give him a, you just give him a scorpion. Right? That is so sick. That's so twisted. Then he's like, he's making a point. This is what he says. He says, look, listen, if you, though you are evil, and what does he mean by that? He means that you have the virus of sin in your life. And even with sin in you, you know how to demonstrate good to your children. Now, here's here's the phrase. How much more? Will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? Matthew says, give good things to those who ask. The only way that I know how with, with, with human language to try to explain this concept is if you were to sit down and if you were to write out all the attributes of a perfect heavenly father. He's good, never loses his temper. He's always available for me. When I want to play ball, he plays ball. When I, when I, when I want him to take me out to the mall, he takes me out to the mall, <laughs> right? Right? 
He provides, he's patient, he's understanding. Like, just sit down and just write that list. He's faithful, he's a protector. Like, you just sit down and write that list, and here's what I would say to you. Like, your version of the perfect heavenly father, of the perfect father, earthly father. Who God is, is how much more than that. There is no way for you or I in our earthly minds to ever be able to quantify or qualify, to ever be able to truly grasp how perfect God is as a father. It exceeds our imagination. And he invites us. This prayer is an invitation. Come and discover who I am as a good and a perfect father in your life. And if you will allow me, this is the Father saying, if you will allow him, the Father will come and he will actually take you into that journey to heal those broken places, those broken perceptions of what it means to be a father. If you will allow him, he will share secrets with you. If you will allow him, he will not only heal the broken places of your past, he will then restore who you can be as a father or mother moving forward. He will speak to you exactly who you are. And if you don't hear anything at all today, friend, here's what I want you to capture. As Jonathan comes forward, here's what I want you to get. Deep inside of your bones, I want you to get this. Is that the standing invitation for every single one of us, both in this space and those of you guys who are watching online, the standing invitation is, come and discover who I am as a perfect father. Come and discover who I am. I'm scared. I know you're scared. The Father is saying, I know, I know that this, we're, 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 we're treading on really thin ice here emotionally. We're treading on very, very thin ice here relationally. But here's what the Father is saying. When I'm asking you to pray, when I'm inviting you into this prayer, I'm not just, I'm not giving you another thing to check off the list. I'm not giving you another thing so that, you know, if you do this, you'll feel better about yourself or you'll assume that I'm not angry at you anymore. I'm inviting you into a relational journey that will take you into the rest of eternity. I'm inviting, you see, listen, listen, prayers in and of themselves don't change anything. Songs in and of themselves don't change anything. Bible reading in and of itself, it doesn't change a thing. What changes everything is our living dynamic relationship with God. All of these things serve the relationship. And this is why Jesus says, before we get into thy kingdom come and thy will be done, before we get into forgive me of my sins, like you, you cannot authentically ask God to forgive you of your sins if you don't have a revelation of him as father. You can't ask him to provide for you. Give me this day my daily bread if you're suspicious that God is up there saying, I'll give you good if you do good. You, can't, you cannot even begin to trust that he will provide for you. Are you hearing me this morning? You can't trust that he'll not lead you into temptation if you don't trust that he's always got your good in mind and he's going to protect you and take care of you. We can't even pray the rest of this prayer if we don't this day start with the fundamental starting point, the cornerstone, the foundation of all life in God is you're a good father. And you see me as a son. I've shared this story a billion times. I'm going to say it one more time, then we're going to come to the table. When Milan was a baby, beautiful Milan, she had this kind of gastro deal that caused her to vomit all the time. And we'd load everybody up, we'd buckle her up, and we'd get five miles down the road, and just, she'd just vomit all over herself. And one night, her room was positioned right next to ours. It was about 2 a.m. in the morning, and all I hear is just this 
screaming. You know, there was the cute cry, and then there's this like, come get me now, scream. I shoot up out of bed, I run into the room, I throw on the light, and she's laying there, and she's just got vomit all over her face. It's just like all over here. And thankfully, I don't even know how, I'm just, I was just seeping in this sonship and the Father's love, and without even thinking, I, I, I reach in to, to grab her. I don't go and get all the stuff to try to like wipe her off first, you guys. I reach in, and even as I'm reaching in, this little six-month, six nine-month-old baby, you could tell that she had this self-awareness, even at under a year, she, she, she began to pull away, like, I'm, I'm dirty, Daddy. And I, without hesitation, you guys, I just reached in, I grabbed her, and all I could think to do, all I could think to do was the right thing to do is just to pull her right here close. And I put her vomit-covered face right next to mine. And then the, you know that? She just settled. And guys, I'm here to tell you today that the Father is not waiting for us to clean ourselves off before he reaches down to grab us. He doesn't run and say, okay, well, you know, I'm really sorry that you've sold yourself and I'm sorry that you've got throw up all over your face, but tell you what, why don't you clean yourself off? Why don't you just tidy up your room really quick and then I'll come back and we'll have some good time together because then I approve. That's not who the father is. And though I'm being evil, guys, listen, I struggle with so much sin, it's ridiculous. And though an evil man can reach in and grab a vomit covered baby, how much more? How much more will the father say, come, come, Come to my table. Come enter into relationship with me. The only way that you can get clean is if the Father picks you up and pulls you close, which means that he's going to get covered too. Yes, that's, that's what Jesus is. Jesus is the, Father, is, is the Father coming near to humanity, saying, I'm going to get the vomit of your sin all over my life, but the only way to clean it is to get in it. The only way to clean it is to get in it. Listen to me. The only way to clean it is to get in it. The only way to get rid of it is to get in it. And Jesus, the Father sends Jesus, and he comes near, and he gets all up in our mess, and he, gets, he just gets covered in our mess. All of our pride, all of our ego, all of our hatred, all of our murderous thoughts, all of our lustful, rageful, everything, guys. He just gets all up in it, and he loves, and he loves, and he loves, and he cleans, and he cleans, and he cleans, and then he takes, him, he takes all of it upon himself, and he lays his life down to bring us back in restoration with the Father. Friend, would you stand with me today? You have no idea how much the Father loves you. You have no idea how good the Father is. You'll say, you'll say, Pastor, I've been living for God my whole life. I don't care. You still have, you have no idea how good the Father is. You have no idea how perfect he is. You have no idea the lengths that he's willing to go to, to capture your heart. And right now here in this space, this, whole, this is just a sacred moment right now. Right now here in this space, would you guys all just in a spirit of reverence, but mostly in a spirit of intimacy right now, would you just close your eyes and would you just quiet your heart? And If you're saying, God, man, Jade, I, I have no idea who this God is that you're describing. But I can't explain it, but something inside of me convinces me of the fact that you might be onto something here. And I might just be willing to, I might just be willing to risk that this could be real. I might just be willing to risk that this God that you're speaking of really does want me and chooses me and loves me and forgives me and, and wants me to, to know him. And all you have to do right now, listen, all you have to do right now is say, Father, come near.
That's all you have to say is, Father, come near. Come near. Father, would you come near? And over the course of time, friend, here's, here's what I can promise you. Over the course of time, what you're going to find is as you begin to discover who God the Father is, anything that is in your life that is contrary to that on your own accord, you are going to want to stop that. That's called repentance. Because there's going to be something that begins to work inside of you where you say, this God who loves me, I'm doing things that's hurting him. I'm doing things that's disappointing him. I'm doing things that's working against what he wants. And what you're going to find is that out of love, that there is going to be a grace to either stop certain things or to start certain things. And you will find that the Christian life has begun for you. And I am praying for that for every single one of you today. Oh, Spirit of God, would you just bring a revelation of the Father's love? Would you help to deconstruct and unpack and just remove every wrong thought that every one of us have had of you? There's, there's friends of mine, there's people that are here for the very first time. Lord, that we, we have been trying to do this on our own because we've been abandoned, we've been neglected, we've been abused. And so we naturally say, I'm going to figure this out. And I'm, I'm, going to be, I'm going to become so darn good and so self-sufficient. And friend, I'm just here to tell you today that you don't have to live that way. God, I pray that you would just take right now the yoke of performance and the yoke of self-sufficiency and the yoke of just trying, having to prove ourselves in the world. God, just take that yoke. I pray for liberty and freedom and peace right now for you, friend. And I pray right now that the love of the Father would just, just come and enter into every memory, every moment, into every relationship, that you would begin to see life through the lens of the love of the Father. In Jesus' name. Now guys, let's come up here to this table and celebrate this special relationship. This table is an invitation into the special relationship with God that Jesus experienced. You can exit on your left, come and receive one of these cups, and we will have some direction, and we will all eat together. Friends, Jesus, who being the only begotten Son of God, came to show us who God is. That was one of his primary assignments. These people don't know who the Father is. These people are scared of God. And so Jesus comes and 
And the most culminating act of showing us who God is, Jesus invites his friends to a meal. And it's a meal that is a depiction of what is about to take place. Now remember, Jesus comes to show us who the Father is. And who is the Father? The Father is the one who suffers and sacrifices on our behalf. The Father is the one who suffers and sacrifices so that we can be brought into our inheritance as sons and daughters. So here today with this wafer in our hand, crush that in your hand. And I announce to you today that the body of Jesus Christ was broken. It was slain, tortured, shredded in order for you to prosper, in order for you to be whole, in order for you to be brought into the family of God. Friend, let us take and let us receive of the body of Christ. Thank you, God. And then at this meal, Jesus takes a cup and he says, guys, there's there's a new arrangement that's been made. And the arrangement very simply is everything I've said to you today This is the arrangement that is typified in this cup right here. Jesus says, I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to to pour out my physical blood on your behalf. And there's something about this sinless blood that's being shed from my body. It has the power to remove guilt and shame and fear and sin itself from your life. And all you have to do is receive. You don't have to pray for it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to do good for it. All you have to do is say, I want that. I'll take that. I receive that. So friends, today, the blood of Christ shed for you. Will you just say together, I receive. Let us receive of the cup. I wonder if we could just pray this prayer before we were sent out. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, may the Lord show you his love this week. May the Lord interrupt your schedules and invade your quiet moments. May the Lord shower you with favor and goodness. May the Lord delight over you and may you experience afresh and anew the delight of God himself. This is my prayer for you. And I pray today that wherever you are in your journey, as you encounter the love of God, that it becomes so radiant and it becomes so infectious, that it becomes so transformative, that it launches you into such peculiar distinction that those around you say something is happening in your life. And you may not be able to explain it, but your only answer that will suffice is, friends, it's the love of God. May the love of God, may it go before you, may it come behind you, and may it fill you in on every side. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you as you go forth.